BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, Doug. Hey, other Doug. (laughs) Okay, first of all, your eat some leftovers voice last week was perfect. Okay, I'll try and see if I can nail it again. I think it might have, you know, startled our guest, but I think that's <laughs> that's part of the fun is that the <laughs> listeners know it's coming and the guest is, you know, blindsided or yelled at or whatever. Um, but speaking of perfect, our guest today is just a human being. Uh <laughs> He's a comedian, a podcaster, writer, juggler. I don't know if he knows how to juggle balls per se, but he clearly knows how to juggle a lot of projects. (laughs) (laughs) It's Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah. Fitz dog. I hope he does know how to juggle balls though. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we could ask him. You can make it one of your five questions if you want. (laughs) Ooh. But anyway, it should be a very fun and uh, candid conversation with Craig. So uh, let's go to work. Hello, Greg Fitzsimmons. You put me in a mood, Dougs, with that song. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? It really, yeah. it gets everybody pumped up, or I, you know, maybe not all the guests, but most of the guests seem to be really pumped up by it. That's why we play it, because we could just put it in and post, you know. Well, it's funny because um, I think every comic, when they walk to the stage, they, they always ask you, the manager will say, what do you want to come up to? And uh, it's... You know, it's kind of something that you have to think about because if you go up to Guns N' Roses, you know, welcome to the jungle and the place is pumped up and then you're like a Dan Mintz kind of a comedian (laughs) who's doing low energy (laughs) one-liners, it doesn't really match. (laughs) Good evening, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You guys ready to rock out? Yeah. uh, what's Sometimes your song? What do, you, what do you go up to? What's that? Oh, I don't. You know, that's that, that's the the um, eternal game that that as a comic I play with the sound guy because I refuse to. I should just pick a song and just ask for that 
But first of all, when you ask for a specific song, that'll be the one out of millions that they don't have. For some <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. And then uh, you bring your own, then you now you're in a whole nother level. But I I do the same dance every time. I say play whatever you want. Surprise me. It doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't matter to me. But I will make fun of it if you play something stupid right and then they take that as like a challenge to play something stupid instead oh of just God. playing something good you know yeah yeah right <laughs> and they don't learn their trade they, they, they're people that they work there for a few months and then they move on to managing the club or managing comics or leaving comedy altogether like nobody just wants to be a career you know sound guy in the back of the comedy club uh you know bringing on the comics with the with the music so, cause it's not yeah. even a respectable DJ spot. Cause you only get to play that, you know, 30 seconds every time somebody gets introduced. Well, that that's what was so cool about the comedy store is this guy, Jeff played, you know, Jeff who sadly mm -hmm. passed away this year, mm -hmm. um, but he would sit at the piano and it was like this Sisyphus kind of a job where he would, you know, when a comedian was almost done, he had to get back to his piano and play their outro music and then wait for them to intro the next guest, the next comedian, and then play intro music for them. And then he would go in the back and drink and get high and you'd laugh <laughs> with him. And he was like the greatest fucking hang. And sometimes he'd be so high, he would just forget and you would be <laughs> waiting. And the worst part was he would tell you who's on next. Cause a lot of times it would shift depending on, you know, Bobby Lee is didn't show up or whatever. And then you don't know who's on next. <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if when he said Sisyphus, we're like, that's the word of the day and screamed like Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean, say Sisyphean. I, I guess yeah. that, that would have really been the word. <laughs> right, but that's the thing is Sisyphus, you know, it, it's a it constant labor, whereas uh, this guy found a way to have fun, you know, in between boulders. Right, you know? right. Which is, uh, which is the key, you know, when you do have to do something so repetitive. But also that job is like, that's kind of a rarity in comedy clubs. There's rarely like a guy who plays you on and off with live music. When it yeah. does happen, uh, I, I love it. I lo you know, like comedy clubs, so many of them will have a piano on the stage and never gets, you know, nobody, <laughs> most yeah. comics don't play the piano, but I'll just go over there and do a bit with the piano just because it's there, you know? Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it's exciting that there's a piano there, even though I don't play. I, you know, came up with a little uh, bit that I do every time, like especially at the Melrose Improv, because uh, yeah. people see eight comics in a row all lean on a piano and nobody ever plays it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I know it's your one prop. It's a beautiful, big prop that makes noise. You can do any, and you know, that's how Zach, Zach really blew up. I think because if it wasn't for the piano, I don't know that he would have gotten as big as fast as he did because he was like a really, really good kind of jazz pianist. Yeah. yeah. And it was such a great framing device. I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, lots of guys do it with guitar and, you know, uh, he, uh, Bernie Mac did it with like, you know, pre-recorded music, but like the, the idea of like taking a musical break in between one-liners is, you know, <laughs> it's just such a, it's genius because yeah. it makes, it forces people to enjoy each one-liner more because they get in the rhythm of it. And then when one doesn't get a laugh, all you gotta do is make the right face and then that'll get a laugh. 
Right, it's and it also, a... <laughs> it also sets the tone for it being super sincere. And then when the joke comes out and it's silly, it's just a funny <laughs> juxtaposition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can only play the Axel F theme song from Beverly Hills Cop on piano, but I don't think I could build around that. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It'd be kind of tough. I think that's all you need to know. I I, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to spoil it in case anybody sees me live ever, ever again in the future, but I just bang on the piano and say that's from this the soundtrack of the Pelican Brief. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always thought why well, I should update that title, but it's so perfect that a a movie that was suspenseful had yeah. such a you know unsuspenseful name. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into it. Growing up, Greg, how was that? It was. <laughs> yeah, so the, up, the question is for Greg, not for Doug. Um, growing up was, I would say overall, it was fun. We had, we had a very silly family. And my father was in radio and he was like a comedian. He used to like, my dad used to host anything that anybody asked him to do because he absolutely loved getting up on stage with a microphone. He'd put a tuxedo on and he would do, you know, the boys and girls club of Yonkers, or he would do, you know, he went to this high school in the Bronx and he would do their fundraiser every year. And I would always go because he was so funny and he was such a goofball and he would shit on everybody. He'd get up there. He went to a Catholic school in the Bronx and he would, he would shit on all the priests. He literally said one time, how many of you guys, how many people in the audience have been touched by Father Flynn? Because <laughs> he did. And he, he didn't give a shit. He was hilarious. <laughs> and so, and then my mother was the youngest of seven. She grew up in the Bronx also in a family that was all, like my, my all four of my grandparents were from Ireland. And it's a culture of storytelling and ball busting. And so our kitchen table, we had these long dinners where we just laughed the whole time, you know? So it, it was a fun childhood. It was mixed with, my dad was also a raging alcoholic and he hit me, but I loved the guy. Was that- and the name, the, oh, yeah, so yeah. But <laughs> Go ahead. specifically the, the name Greg, uh, how do you feel that's worked out for you? It's a very white name. <laughs> you know, I think when black people make fun of white people, they'll pull out Brad and Greg as the names to mock. <laughs> like I remember in Animal House, the one of the guys who was in the uh, the snooty fraternity, the rich yeah. guys, it was he was Greg, and it was a punchline. They literally got a laugh on his name, and that hurt me. Um, yeah, Greg. Yeah, it does have, you can really, we, we've found and we've discussed this before, but Doug has a similar, yeah, like people do. just don't, their ex, your expectations are lowered when a Doug is coming around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Doug, a Doug is a feature act. You know, a Doug is a middle manager. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't picture you as Gregory Fitzsimmons. Now, Gregory was a scary, scary thing for me because that was when I was in trouble. I would be upstairs and my father would go, Gregory. And he was like six foot two. And that meant that I had to come downstairs and uh, 
face to music. So that was the only time I heard Gregory. Yeah, it kind of sounds like angry. I just ducked when you said it. I had a uh, <laughs> reflexive response. <laughs> it was really weird um, when my dad would get upset, he would yell Gregory. So it, it also <laughs> triggers me, but it just made no sense in context of Doug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the lengthening of the name or just giving your child a longer name than they already have is, seems to be like that goes hand in hand with, like, have you turned around and given the same gift to your children? Do you have a longer version of their name that you resort to when you're upset with them? Um, no, my son is Owen. I think you definitely hit the syllables differently. <laughs> uh, you know, you hit the first syllable when you're friendly and things are going well. And then if he's in trouble, it's Owen. Owen! <laughs> <laughs> and Jojo is short for Josephine. And uh, you can't get angry with something as melodic and beautiful as the name Josephine. Or Jojo. That also seems weird to yell at a person. <laughs> Jojo! Yeah, it's too, yeah, it's too cute. Joe. <laughs> I'm sick of your bullshit, Joe. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was never like there like there was Vlad the Impaler. Like that works with Impaler. But <laughs> Jojo the Impaler, you would never hear that. So what's remember. your what's your experience been with Doug's Greg? Have you known men, any or other yeah, than there was a kid, myself. There was a kid, yeah, there was a kid named Doug, and I was a bookworm growing up. I was like, all I did was lay under tables and in my bed and just read books. And so there was this other kid named Doug. And in sixth grade, we had a teacher named Mr. LeRae, and he had a contest for us of who would read more books in sixth grade. And uh, I forget what the prize was, but it didn't matter because – we just, we went, he read every Agatha Christie book ever written and he would read the end first in sixth grade. He wanted what? to work backwards from the Agatha Christie novel. So he would read the Ruined end it? of it. <laughs> and I was reading um, every, uh, who wrote James Bond? Ian uh, Fleming. Ian Fleming. I read all the Ian Fleming books. And then there was, um, you know, Judy Bloom books at that age. And uh, he was a much more serious reader. Like mm -hmm. he, he, he got, he was a little more intellectual than me. He ended up getting his uh, PhD in English from like a, an Ivy League school. He was very, he was very sharp. But you lost track of him by that point? Yeah, and I really have kept in touch with most of my childhood friends. You know, I just talked to my buddy Kyle who I've known since third grade yesterday. Uh, but Doug, yeah, of course you're going to reach out to a Kyle during all of this, but a Doug, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Not worth the trouble. I know. I know you start <laughs> dialing and you just go, maybe Kyle's around. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever played a character named Doug? Mm. Yeah, it's a hardball. Wow. Um, I have in my illustrious acting career, and you can go to IMDb for four or five seconds and check it out. Um, I have mostly played a guy named Greg Fitzsimmons in my credits. <laughs> That's a sign that you're really not, they're not committing to you as a thespian when they say, just, just call him his own name. Yeah. I get called my own name most of the time. And, but one time when I 
it wasn't assigned a name. Another actor improvised saying just my normal name. And so then that became my character's name. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's actually bad because if you want to be seen as an actor, when you go to IMDb, they list there's different sections and there is um, yeah. acting credits. But if you played your own name, it doesn't go in there. It goes under the section that call, that's called self. Yeah. So like I was on CSI one time and it's not in my acting credits. It's, it's under self because they call me Greg Simmons. What? Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that just seems lazy on their part. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since nobody ever called me my name in any of the scenes. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah that's a bummer that's a cool credit to be on there i know i mean i guess it's still on there but yeah wow. there's an episode of csi miami where they say where um i think the victim it's yeah i think it might be the victim in that episode someone that's murdered is named doug benson really? and then they they say it, you know, several times throughout the show, first and last name. They just go, Doug Benson, this, or Doug Benson, that. And I never really got to the bottom of, like, was that intended? Or is that, again, just I have the most boring name, so it just fits <laughs> to just, you know, assume no one has named that. <laughs> well, there's a TV show. You guys will know it. It's, it's a Marvel show, and there's two characters and one is named Fitz and one is named Simmons. And one of the actors who plays the uh, character is named Greg something. Oh, weird. She, oh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. That's yeah, I missed that. I didn't, I didn't uh, see any of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even though I've seen most, uh, you know, I, I've seen all the Marvel movies. I guess I'm more of a, you know, it's not Doug Loves TV, right? Um, right. Greg, do you know or know anybody who knows a second gentleman, Doug Emhoff? Never heard of him. Uh, Kamala. I mean, uh, he's the second gentleman of our country right now. <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's the best reaction to that news <laughs> there's a dog in the white house no well they don't live in the white house yeah, well, is this yeah. the highest ranking doug ever was there there was oh, never a president sure. douglas was there no no maybe a middle name and then certainly there was some political figures with the last name douglas but uh emma off and douglas macarthur i guess i was just gonna say Douglas yeah. macarthur yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah anyway i just bring it up because we're trying you know we're trying to get him on this show he's kind of our you know guest that we're crown jewel yeah whatever you want to call it have you had other dougs on oh yeah Who'd you yeah have? we had uh we had uh, Dougie Doug was on. Nice. And uh, the great Doug Jones, who was an amazing uh, character actor. And, um, you know, we just sort of gave up on trying to get Dougs because, like, there, were, there weren't that many Dougs we were excited about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the essence of the Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we really shot ourselves in the foot by saying, let's have a show about Dougs. And then we got together and realized, oh, Dougs are boring. Yeah, it was a few dugs um, in. We were like, oh, that, that's a mistake. 
yeah, this isn't going to work. But no, now, so now we just bring on, you know, people that we like and just uh, talk to them about, uh, you know, names in general. And then we also, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interview show, which is not that unusual uh, uh, in the world of podcasting right now. But we sort of feel like we have an interesting approach to it. Each week we write five questions for our guests and we don't share with each other what our five questions are going to be. And then invariably our guests are so good um, that we run out of time. Yeah. So we've got some questions left over from the uh, last show. Before we get to the questions we've written specifically for you, uh, we would just like to know if you could eat some leftovers. That's an, that's so intense. That's too intense. Yeah. So a lot. Also, also, I guess I shouldn't phrase it like we want. We're asking you if you will. We're telling you that you need to eat your leftovers. We have questions left over from our interview last week with Jimmy Pardo. Wow! Wow! Yeah, he'll he'll fill up an hour for you. He did. He did. Yeah. We both had. We both still had two questions left out of ten questions. We got through six of them. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, you know, we think that's great. You know, we don't want to rush through it just to ask every question. That's not the point. Right. The point is just have an interesting conversation. So Springboard. here's Jimmy's questions. We'll start with Doug. He'll, he'll ask you just something that was meant for Jimmy. You can answer as Jimmy or as yourself, you know, whatever, <laughs> or however you else. want to approach it. Uh, all right. Leftover number one, Jimmy slash Greg. Uh, you played Angry Driver in the film Relative Strangers. Are you an actual angry driver? Well, funny you should ask that. Um, it is. Um, <laughs> I, I resent the question. Let me say that right out, right out of the gate. Um, I don't know why uh, I, you would consider me an angry man. I uh, I worked on Conan for a long time. I got along very well with everybody. Worked with Mr. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that uh, it's a cute show, Doug. Cute show. Keep it up. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, never been. Can you angry. do his laugh? Can you do his laugh? No. How does the laugh go? His laugh is just like very sudden and sharp. It'll just be suddenly like. Ah, ah, oh, that's right. Ah, he he ah, kind of starts it and then he swallows it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Because yeah. he's so funny that, like, for someone else to say something that makes him laugh, it surprises him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like one of those guys. There's a guy who manages him. Oh, what's his manager's name? He's pretty funny. Oh, Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith has the most eclectic, interesting group of what you would call comics comics. You know, guys like Andy Kindler, uh, I think Maria Bamford. Um, probably Todd Glass, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I think he worked with him at one point. Not now, but I think they did. Uh, but I, but he has this amazing taste in the kind of comics that like everybody else crowds into the back of the room to watch when they're on stage. Right. <laughs> I believe Doc yeah. Katz as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then some of you know, and he's had a lot. He's had clients over the years that when they move on from that level, when they c catch on in a bigger way then they, they go with more traditional uh, management, you know? Right, right. Yeah, he's a little bit of a Broadway Danny Rose type of a guy. And that's not to put him down. I don't mean in the sense that he's not successful. He's extremely successful. 
Oh yeah, I mean, but it is, true. and that's the thing is, he lost. That's the thing. So, somebody like uh, you know Maria Bamford, you know, is absolutely you know loyal to him, and and that's just a for somebody that's managing talent. That's a fucking gold mine right there. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So my first question that was a great answer. You don't have to do the Jimmy Pardo impression every time, but okay. uh, but that was that was fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy was cut out of the film Dream Girls. We talk, I talked to him about that a lot because I'm just fascinated by uh, being cut out of like you know such a big movie. Um, and I wanted to ask Jimmy, is there another movie you would have preferred to have been cut out of? Because you know he has to talk about Dream Girls so much, and I don't, I don't know if he has any other particular uh, affection for it other than the fact that he was almost in it, but. Uh, what movie would you like to, you know, tell people you were cut out of, Greg? And maybe we could start saying it to, you know, to get that rumor going that that happened. <laughs> right. Um, I did a movie called uh, Division Three with a, a gentleman named Andy Dick. And um, Andy was on a tear went <laughs> while filming and he would show up to the set uh, hours late. And uh, he would fondle people. They was, you know, it's the thing about the thing about Andy Dick is when you hear that he fondled a girl in a uh, mall halfway between here and Vegas, outside of Burger King. People go like, "Oh, he must have been fucked up," and I guess he was acting weird that day. No, that's just the day it got reported. He did it every other day that week also. And if if he's drinking, and and I work with him, I did his TV, I did his sketch show years ago. And then I actually, as a, a create, I created a show uh, for Comedy Central with him, and uh, we shot the pilot, and that that was insane. Um, so, I think if I could reclaim the the days and days of waiting on set for Andy, I'd probably take that back. <laughs> Although it's kind of become a cult movie, a lot of college kids watch it. It's pretty funny. He's super I talented. I honestly just stumbled upon it for the first time, you know, today, just doing what you uh, mentioned, the checking out your IMDb page. And, uh, you know, I, I am certainly uh, intrigued. So how big is your role in this movie? It's not big. I had three scenes and I think two of them got cut. But, the, <laughs> but the, <laughs> And I'm not going to say it was my fault. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but I play a bartender and, uh, they let me, they let me kind of improvise a lot. And it was, it was really fun. The guy that directed it is a great guy. He wrote it and directed it. And, uh, I always wonder what happened to him. Cause he seemed really sharp, but, um, yeah, I think I was playing Greg Fitzsimmons in that one. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> I should say Jimmy Pardo. I was playing Jimmy Pardo. In that one. Do you remember that director's name? No, right. I feel, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to no. say, but I don't remember much. That's all right, because you know he might have he might have just been making movies on a you know a, a underground you know stuff that you're just not aware of. Uh, who, yeah, knows, he, who knows? Who knows? It, it was definitely a shoestring budget, um, but uh, I'm I'm guess I'm, I'm Marshall Cook right was the director. Yeah, has he done anything oh. else? Um. <laughs> <laughs> What if it was like a ton more of your credits? Yeah, you define define anything. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's yeah he's 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 got some stuff going on. 
Yeah, that's right. good. Got something in 2020 that's coming out. Acting and directing. I would oh. imagine and anybody that can produce and direct Andy Dick and actually get any kind of a film out of it is pretty. Oh, and he's, he's uh, an actor. Oh, look at that. He's got tons of acting credits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Keep a lookout for this guy, everybody. Uh, he deserves he deserves love. <laughs> All right, your turn, Melly Mel. Leftover number two. This is a tough one. You can think on it. Doritos, Cheetos, potato chips, or hummus? Hummus. Wow, really? Every time. Every time. Hummus <laughs> with these, there's these little mini uh, rice crackers from Trader Joe's. And almost every day I take out, Trader Joe's has the best hummus of any store. Uh, short of going to the, the, the Olive Tree uh, Cafe above the Comedy Cellar, has yeah. great hummus and great baba ganoush. But if you have to buy it from a store, Trader Joe's hummus is so fucking good. And it's a protein snack. You feel good about yourself when you're done eating it. And, uh, and that other crap just makes me crash. <laughs> yeah, you're passed out in 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, what do you, uh, you don't just eat hummus on its own. What do you dunk in the hummus? No, I take the, the rice crackers from Trader Joe's oh, okay. also. They're like little mini crackers and, uh, and you scoop it, you scoop it out. You always get a little bit on your thumbnail. And as you eat it, you lick your thumbnail at the same time. My, yeah. my mother told me that, <laughs> my mother told me that uh, they were having a, a dinner party when I was about four years old. And everybody was sitting around having cocktails as they did. Back in the seventies, adults got together for a dinner party and they drank fucking highballs for hours <laughs> before dinner started. And then everybody drove home afterwards. Oh, yep. And, and so and my, my family embraced the 70s. If, if there was a peak in the Fitzsimmons clan, it was shag rug, paisley curtained, uh, stucco wall, chain smoking 70s. <laughs> Bell bottom <laughs> pants, like they were all over it. And, uh, and so they had cr cheese and crackers out. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody got a cracker and said some cheese and they bought into it and there was no snap there was no crunch it was soggy and they said what something your your crackers are wet what's going on and they looked over and they saw me and i was taking uh there was like a cheese spread and i was taking a cracker scooping it up licking it off the cracker scooping it up Picking off the cracker and then putting the cracker back in the basket. <laughs> My mom said I used to do that with ketchup and French fries. I would just dip one French fry over and over in the ketchup, lick it off, and keep going. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certain foods I don't think you'd eat if it wasn't for the butter. Like, do we really love popcorn or do we love the butter? Ooh, right. That's a great question. That's a chicken or the egg type thing. Yeah. Um, Lobster right, without butter, not that great. You, yeah, right? I wouldn't even bother. Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you good, Doug? Is that a satisfying answer? Yeah. Do you, uh, real quick, follow, uh, do you have a flavor hummus? Is there a preference? No, they try to put garlic in it, and they try to put sun-dried tomatoes. Um, they, they fuck around with it a lot when the truth is it's just – it's it, it just 
what is it? Uh, some kind of bean, right? Isn't it like yeah. a... I will say the Hope, there's a brand called Hope and they have a Thai coconut curry. You can get at Sprouts or Trader Joe's. So good. Really? Oh, All right. Yeah, that's delicious. Worth trying for sure. Wait, say what it is again? It's called Hope is the brand and it's a Thai coconut curry. Thai it's coconut. amazing. Give it a shot. Nice. Yeah, I want some of that. Thai coconut curry. Yeah. I think Jimmy would have said Doritos, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's a great answer. It's good to know which way that was going to go. I uh, have for my final question, for Jimmy, he's in a movie. Maybe you're in this movie, too. I don't think so. Were you, Greg, were you in Kevin Pollack's documentary, Misery Loves Company? No, I was not. Or Misery Loves Comedy, I should say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe I was. Misery Loves Company was the old expression. Um, yeah, Misery Loves Comedy uh, was a documentary. Mm. had a lot of comics in it. I, I almost was in it, and then I ultimately was not. Um, but I was going to ask Jimmy Pardo if he could do a Kevin Pollack impression. Because that's a fun question to ask, because Kevin Pollack, of course, does amazing impressions. Okay, here you go. All right. <laughs> Captain's log. No. <laughs> um, yeah, for anybody who might who didn't get that, he was he William Shatner is one of uh, I'd say he's one of, in the crown jewel. Uh, is one of the uh, Columbo would probably be another one. There's a few impressions that Kevin Pollack really you know got a lot of mileage out of. Yeah. And uh, and William Shatner is certainly one of them, even even getting to do it to, you know, in front of William Shatner at the uh, Comedy Central roast of William Shatner. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> that is like nobody. I don't think there's a celebrity. I'm sure there's a few weird ones, but most celebrities do not want to hear somebody do an impression of them, <laughs> especially because they also putting words in their mouth at the same time. They're like yeah. saying things that they would never say, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and in a voice that they've never heard because you never really hear your own voice. I I don't think, right? Uh, right? <laughs> you know, just just the act of recording it is uh, you know going to change it to the way it sounds to everybody else but you. I think Christopher Walken was on SNL and they had several different people do their impressions of him in a sketch yeah. with him. Yeah, it was like Attack of the Walkins or something. And like it was a whole family. Of course, he was in the family too, but it's a whole yeah. family of people that talk that way. Yeah. And, and it was it was very entertaining because there was varying levels of uh, success at doing the impression. <laughs> yeah, and right. like, so there's something about knowing somebody's trying to do an impression of Christopher Walken and they're not getting it is funny too. <laughs> yeah, I did this show. I was a, I was a producer on this show that uh, Dana Carvey hosted called... Uh, uh, last impression, first impression. I can't remember, but it was a, it was a talent show for people that did impressions and it was, and I never really liked impressions that much. I just always felt like, you know, as a comedian, it just felt like a gimmick or whatever, but then, but then you're around Dana Carvey and you're like, this guy's a fucking artist. Like what he does. And he already had a Trump impression. Uh, and I think this happened, this job was probably right, right when Trump got into office. And so we had a contest and this one girl comes on and she was like head and shoulders so far above everybody else. And, uh, 
and she didn't win. And it was kind of like a backstage huddle where we were like, this can't happen. This girl can't possibly lose. So uh, she lost and she was very graceful about it. And um, six months later, she was on SNL and it was uh, Melissa Villasenor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's very talented with that as well. She's, yeah, she's great. Her impressions are amazing, uh, but it frustrates me that on SNL that they, you know, utilize them so rarely. Like she, you know, at most will maybe do one or two impressions in an episode. Well, the one that aired just this last Saturday, uh, I don't believe she was in a single sketch, which happens because the cast is so big. But, Not only is but, the cast um, big, but they can't keep the old cast members from coming back to the show all the time. It's like, yeah. is Maya Rudolph even a cast member or is she just on three sketches a week? <laughs> she, she sleeps under the bleachers. <laughs> she sleeps in yeah. Studio 8H is her home. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, I always feel bad that uh, that because I do like seeing the, you know, the classic SNL people come back, but it always, it's just like, it, you know, we know it from comedy clubs. It's just like being bumped in a comedy club by a famous comedian. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. did that famous comedian stop and think at all about how important it is for the non-famous comedians to get their stage time? Right, right. You know? Especially when I they do about... that and then they come on and they do like old bits. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if you're like really working at new material, maybe you're about to host an award show, so you need stage time, but you know, you you would at the comedy store used to be a, such a joke back in the eighties because like a Wayne's brother would stop in and do like an hour <laughs> in the middle of the show and just do their act, just do like their old act. <laughs> yeah, it's a real uh, you know ego boost to just be able to go on and go for as long as you want and just do material that you know people don't they're so excited they don't care that you know when it's from or whatever. Yeah. But, it's the, but then in the, in the long run, you know, where does that, where does that get you? I, I feel like everybody's becoming a little bit more cooperative, but, but SNL is definitely a, it's a real struggle to get, you know, sketches on the air. And uh, so you gotta, you gotta spend a lot of time playing the politics of just getting the best writers on the show to, to put you in their sketches. That's yeah. I think that's the key is you have to be, you know, like I just had Alan Zweibel on my podcast and he talked about how when he came in, he was nobody, like nobody knew who he was. And it was the same thing for um, uh, Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, what's her name again? Gilda Radner. Yeah, and Gilda Radner, nobody knew her. And so they were kind of like the misfits out on the side. And then he just started saying, I'm going to, you're the funniest person I've ever met and I'm just going to write funny shit for you. And so he created the Lubners and Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, and all of her characters. And then they it put both of them on the map. They were like wow. a team. Chris Farley too. He was someone that didn't write a lot of his own material, but people loved writing for him because he was just so charismatic, I guess. Oh yeah. Odenkirk, yeah. Odenkirk wrote that. Uh, the, oh yeah. The, the motivational speaker. Yeah. I forgot about that. <sighs> Yeah, that's a classic. That this is that, that sketch is just like, even when you know every beat of it, it's still hilarious. Yeah, because yeah. he just he he really he literally threw himself into his uh, parts, even in a, in a short sketch. Um, yeah, that was a great round of uh, leftovers, Craig. You really did a great job. 
Thank you. Uh, with Thanks that, for feedback. We, we hope you're not full <laughs> after eating all those leftovers because we've got the main course <laughs> waiting, written especially for you. We're going to do that after these messages. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back and it's time. Everybody's been waiting for it, but not in a, you know, not in a way where they weren't enjoying what they were hearing, but this is just such an exciting part of the show to see if we can get through 10 questions <laughs> for Greg Fitzsimmons. Do you want to play uh, Guns N' Roses a little bit before we start? Melly <laughs> <laughs> um, Mel, uh, my take first, it away. Yeah. Number one, Greg, got to know, where do you keep your Emmys? <laughs> I wish we were on a Zoom. I have a very small office and uh, it's about five minutes from my house and it's just big enough for um, a desk and uh, a flat screen TV, a mini fridge, a coffee machine and a lazy boy. And I come here every day and I write and I do my podcasts and up on the very top shelf where you can't see them are my, <laughs> uh, my Emmys, three of them. And then with the fourth one is uh, in, on my mother's mantle down in Florida. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool to have it at your mom's. Is, is that a thing like after a while? Like, do, do you get very used to that? Or is it still like a big, wow, I did that? You know, that's a huge deal. Um, well, they're daytime Emmy. So I sort of look at it like if you took all four of them and you melted them down, it might make <laughs> one real Emmy. But they're the same statues. So it's very impressive to have on that. And I, I, did, I did have it on the mantle above the fireplace for a while. And then my friend Mike Gibbons came over one time and he just goes, lose the Emmys. Uh, <laughs> I took them to my office the next day. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I guess so, but. I like, I would have liked to, you know, if I came over, I'd want to see your Emmy without having to like, you know, sneak around the house. Um, they're pointy. Those they're Emmys. dangerous. Yeah, they yeah. are dangerous. That's what that was my concern was that anybody with four of them, uh, you know, uh, you push somebody, you know, backwards onto them that they're done. Oh, totally. And I think it's meant for that. I think they understand that celebrities do have stalkers. They have assistants that sometimes snap and attack them. And so you want the award to be something that you can use in self-defense. Yeah. You want it to have a huge uh, blunt part like the base. And then you want the top part to be as pointy, as many points as possible. Dangerous points. Oh, oh the old That's... table ace award was like a dagger. Oh yeah, oh, it was like uh, it was kind of supposed to be like diamond shaped, but it was real yep. pointy on the top. Right, right. All right. Well, that was a great answer to that question, uh, <laughs> and I'm glad it was a great answer because it was a real time saver. Because I have that same question. No, you don't. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll tell you out. this: I never went to any of the Emmy ceremonies because they were always on Saturday nights, and I would always be on the road doing stand up. And so uh, I've never been to an award show. I never got the chance to walk up on a stage and 
you know, stand behind the people that actually get to do the speech. And, and you know what I hate is when people small talk, if you're, if you got an Emmy, <laughs> if somebody, you know, if, if your show won an Emmy, don't chit chat with your co-star in the background. Listen to Paul Servino make a speech. <laughs> yeah. It's always weird. Like the little business that's going on between people. It's like, Oh man, are you, are the two of you annoying like this on the set? Are you yeah. always standing around talking when <laughs> right. it's time to be quiet? <laughs> right. Yeah. The director is telling everybody what this next scene is. And you're talking about the hummus at craft services. <laughs> well, now you're just outing yourself because you were definitely part of that conversation. <laughs> I like the specificity. Specificity. Is that a word? Of Paul mm -hmm. Servino. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let Paul Servino speak. Um, <laughs> listen to Paul Servino speak. That was the first time we overlapped on a question ever. Really? I think so. Yeah. We're, wow. we, and we just had our hundredth episode. So that's you pretty did amazing. It. No, I'm, I'm kidding. This is this way. This is in Never the thirties. I think it's <laughs> yeah. in the twenties or thirties, thirties probably. Okay. So, uh, my first thing is I wanted to play, I, I do want to play with Greg, uh, that, that classic game, everybody loves it, Fuck, Mary Kill. But I'd like you to do that game with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. God, I wish I had <laughs> any idea what that was. <laughs> it's a new Marvel show on Disney+. Plus. The Falcon is Anthony Mackie. He doesn't have superpowers, but he can fly. He has a flying contraption. And oh, the Winter man. Soldier is Sebastian Stan. And he's got like a, uh, a modified, you robot know, super, super human robot arm. And then, of course, in between those two is an ampersand. So between a falcon, a winter soldier, and an ampersand, which would you like to fuck, which would you like to marry, and which would you like to kill? <laughs> and can you just ask me about my Emmys again? <laughs> okay. What's an, what's an you ampersand? Have four, you, you have four Emmys. Which one do you want to marry? Which one do you want to fuck? <laughs> Wait, what's an ampersand? Uh, you know, the and symbol. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, it seems to me, obviously, don't go any further when it comes to fucking. The ampersand would be, it would be like a 3D vagina. You know? Yeah. You it's go just waiting the for A, it. then you work the edges. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Oh, I was just it's laughing very hard. Yeah, it's you ready work to go. your way out. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's almost, and you know that like it's a three way because there's always something after the ampersand, you know? You can have Correct. sex with Google. You can have sex with Yahoo. Imagine having sex with Yahoo. <laughs> you definitely know when they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one time they don't say it. Um, um, I would say I would, I would marry the guy with the bionic arm <laughs> because he would just be so handy around the house. You know, you could... You'd never hear right. things like, hey, can you help me move the couch? You'd be like, you have a bionic arm. <laughs> yeah. Don't you worry, though, that like if he, you know, if he was giving you a handy, you'd just rip it clean off? Oh, right. <laughs> you just change your answer in your head. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 
I, I jumped right like to that. that when you said things around the house. <laughs> you know, things that need to get done around the house. Like I need to get jerked off. <laughs> By the winter soldier. <laughs> your hands are so cold. What do you mean you want to use your regular hand? Get out of here. He's got those. Uh, Greg hasn't watched the show. He has these code words that used to set him off when he was a bad guy for a while. So just be really weird if you trained him with these code words. <laughs> the word it's piano like, means hand job. So it's like the opposite. It's the opposite of a safe word. Right. Yeah. Danger word. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kill that guy. And then the guy, is it the guy has wings. The other guy. Yeah. 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 I guess you want to marry a guy with wings. It's, it feels like it would be really loving. You get into bed at night and you spoon and he wraps his wings around you. you know, oh, what, yeah. What's more comforting that's, than that? That'd be nice. I think uh, it feels like he just hangs his wings up at night, but, you know, uh, it'd just be nice to know that they're there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, do, can he carry people on his back when he flies? Doug, does he ever carry anybody else? I think he does sometimes, yeah, he's but, but he's not super, times. he's not like got super strength or anything though. So I don't know, maybe if they just hang on on the back, that that wouldn't be too much of a burden for him. Yeah, yeah I mean, forget Waze. You would never look at Waze again. It would just be <laughs> like, all right, we're late. We're going to Melrose. Let's go. Yeah, and it's also not noisy either. You know, it's not like people know that there's a, something flying overhead you know it's real it's real stealthy yeah <laughs> all right i'm satisfied that was a great round fuck Love Mary it. kill okay um your turn doug it's weird that you didn't know ampersand but you knew uh sisyphus i know i mean I, ampersand's I, a pretty weird word you don't hear it enough i stopped learning i think in 1996 <laughs> yes. yeah he started rolling an ampersand up a hill and just gave up <laughs> all right question number two what is a weird fact people may not know about your podcast partner allison rosen who we love oh interesting what is a weird fact she was in a band what she was she was a guitar player in like a very serious all chick band and uh that's how she kind of started in show business and she was the leader. She really ran it. And, um, I got to see them. They had a reunion show. They hadn't played together in like 10 or 15 years. And then we went up to San Francisco to do the podcast sketch fest. And, uh, during her podcast that she did up there, she brought the band out and they played and they were really good. Wow. Yeah. Well, we should say we should say that uh, your podcast with Allison, you know, she's been on this show, so we've talked about uh, you and her in that show uh, before. But we should mention again that it's called Childish, right? And it's not about your own behavior; it's about uh, raising children. Yes, she's got babies, and I've got teenagers, and so the premise is that I'm teaching her how to raise kids, and she's not really buying it. <laughs> and so uh so we usually end up just talk we talk about a lot of other things besides so we have a lot of our listeners don't have kids i think it's like like your doug podcast i think it's uh it's an entree but it's not 
it's not all the content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they don't have to, you don't have to be a dog to listen to this. I mean, it certainly <laughs> helps, but, uh, <laughs> do you have Doug's write in? Have you solicited how many Doug's you have listening? Uh, every time we ask the, the, the silence is deafening. So I just, uh, <laughs> I got I got That's, tired of trying to make a bunch of introverts, you know, change. I'm I'm just gonna be the, you know, extroverted Doug along with <laughs> Doug Mellard, and we're just gonna have fun with, you know, we're just gonna mingle with non-Dugs and just see what it's what it's all about. Yeah, you gotta get out of the Doug circle sometime. <laughs> <laughs> that because that's the other weird thing about every Doug I've known, and it hasn't been very many, uh, but including myself, we don't have close friends named Doug. Uh-huh. Like the, the Dugs don't like bond over being called Doug. I mean, you know, Doug Mellard and I have, you know, managed to get closer during this past year because we started this show together. Yeah. Um, it's my turn for a question, right? Yeah. Okay. This one, this one you can maybe answer quickly because we're almost out of time. Okay. Uh, who would you rather let crash on your couch? Pete Holmes or Judd Apatow? <laughs> Apatow. Wow. I should wow. say. Um, you knew that, right? That he prefers Apatow. Yeah. Yeah, his, uh, you- his office, he's got a little office building in uh, Santa Monica, and it's called the Apatower. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way for people to get it. Yeah, I think I would have, I, I love Pete, but Pete's a lot. He's a lot <laughs> to be around. You know, he's just full of energy, and he laughs a lot. Like, he's... It, like I loved having him in the writer's room because he just, you know, you've been on shows where you, the writer's room is just dead. And <laughs> if you have that one person who's just like, you know, going on diatribes about his juice that he just got it, you know, <laughs> it, it gets, it gets things going, but I don't want that on my couch. <laughs> and, and Judd is the kind of guy, like I take, I take walks with Judd, like every, every other week or so we take like these three hour walks from Brentwood to the, to the ocean. And we have, and we have never once in all this time had a silence that lasted more than 30 seconds. We just, it's just so easy to talk to that guy. And he doesn't talk about juice. Doesn't, no, no, because he is a Jew. <laughs> no, I said juice. Oh, oh good, oh yeah. He used the example of Pete talking about juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're running out of time. Hurry, Doug, ask another question. One more question. All right, easy one. Favorite Western film? Oh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, great answer. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was thinking about my favorite Westerns. And, uh, you know, uh, there's there's just so many that are, are in that genre. You know, the spaghetti Westerns are all great, but... I mean, the comedy in Butch Casting and Sundance Kid that came through, they never gave away the drama, but the comedy was always there. It was such a beautiful mix. Yeah, and the ending is just epic. Yeah, yeah. And a and lot of people that. think Paul, Paul Newman and uh, uh, Robert Redford were in so many films together, and it was just that and The Sting, right? Uh, yeah, I think I that's the- it. My favorite part was when they were uh, auditioning to be the security for uh, wagon, the wagon delivery guy. And uh, the guy wants to see if Robert Redford can shoot. So he puts a can on a post and Robert Redford, uh, no, he throws it in the air and Robert Redford misses it. 
and the guy shakes his head and, and Robert goes, can I move this time? So he throws it in the air and he like dives and rolls over and shoots it three times. That was awesome. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that scene's just, I mean, it's got so many great moments in it and lines and stuff. Like it's really, uh, you know, for what on the face of it looks like kind of a silly Western, it's really, uh, it's really a, a work of art. Just the fact that they spent so much time with, uh, you know, that sequence where uh, Paul Newman is romancing, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, yeah. Uh, it's Allie McGraw, right? Yeah, it uh, was just like this dreamy thing where they're riding the bicycle and they're... Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Raindrops keep falling on yeah. <laughs> It's such a, such a strange interlude in the, in, in the <laughs> yeah, middle of, yeah. of a buddy <laughs> Western movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was a very confident movie. It had the confidence to go to different places. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've got places to go to that you'd like to talk about. Let's do some plugs, Greg. Let's plug it up, people. Well, this weekend, not next weekend, I'm going to be in Philadelphia at Helium Comedy Club, April 22nd through the 24th. I know that's one of your favorite clubs. Great club. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kansas City, there's a place called The Comedy Club. And I'll be there April 29th through May 1st. All tickets are available at fitzdog.com and then my other podcasts are fitzdog radio and sunday papers so you've got three podcasts yeah the sunday papers i do with mike gibbons who's my best friend from college and uh he's a big uh, writer showrunner guy and uh, we go through each section of the sunday paper uh entertainment sports business and we kind of riff on whatever stories are going on this past week that's great. It's a lot of fun. I really look forward to it every week. It's funny. The Wikipedia uh, entry about that show says that sometimes you guys disagree about stuff and you hash it out on the air. Like how often, <laughs> how often do you think that happens or did it happen really big one time? That's why it made the Wikipedia. Um, well, last week we had a big uh, fight about, there's a band called uh, Krungbin. Oh yeah, and I, he he was going off about how he kept email he kept texting me songs from them all week, and I watched their videos and I said I said this is the kind of music you would hear while you were getting during a Pilates class with transsexuals in Malibu, <laughs> and uh, and we went back and forth and so we brought it up on the air and we got more emails. This I've been weeding through emails all week from people defending and attacking Krungbin. <laughs> they're so fucking pretentious. <laughs> I can see how they're pretentious. I like them. I did see them perform with Wu Tang Clan, though, and it was amazing. Well, I full disclosure, I went because of all the email. I went back and I listened to. They have an album with uh, you know Leon Bridges. Yeah, it's a great album. They, yeah, yeah, they have an album called Texas Sun, and I listened to it, and I think it's actually kind of a masterpiece. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> But I can right. see they have the same haircut. Yeah, we won't. <laughs> yeah, we won't tell. Uh, we won't tell Gibby that. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just between us. Um, very nice. What do you have to plug, Doug Mellard? This week, I just want to say I do have some stand-up dates coming up, but I need to make sure they're all together. Um, finally, I'm going to get back on stage. I'm excited, but uh, uh, I just want to say I got my first shot, and it's very exciting. And I want you to get your shots if you have not already. Please. 
<laughs> Let's get that's back to normal. Call. That's your that's your plug. Go get your shots. Yes, it's very okay. important. Watch. He, he announces he gets a shot, and the next thing he does is promote Bill Gates's new foundation. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you could also promote your dates and say, "Get your shots. Get your shots." Didn't take up that much time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta double check on the dates actually, but I, right. I just made them. Yeah. But all right. Well, next week soon. we'll talk all about your yeah. events. It'll be exciting. I've got a show coming up before then, though. Next Tuesday, 4-20-2021 at 4-20 Pacific time. Doug Benson's comedy sesh, rushticks.com slash Doug dash sesh. Just go to rushticks.com. They don't have that many shows. You can find it. It's the one that's on next Tuesday, April 20th. Ten bucks gets you in. Should be a long, fun show. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with us today, and just being a great guest. Is you know, we I always have a great time talking to you. Um, we always name the episode after something, uh, some sort of Doug pun, something that happened uh, during the uh, show, and you are often referred to by the uh, nickname Fitz Dog. So I was thinking about just calling this episode Fitz Doug. Nice. Yeah. I so like there, it. That works. All right. Thanks, All right, dude. Thanks for having thanks, me. Man. Good hanging out with you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. As always, Fitz Doug. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>